Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's happening guys? Happy Friday and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome. All right guys, we got so much conversation going on this week about UFC 285. I'm going to keep it going. We're going to get into Francis Ngannou and whether I think you guys even care what he does with the next move of his career. I want to discuss whether the bullet deserves an immediate rematch. I'm also going to get into something I think is going to surprise you, which is the opening odds for John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. Guys, we even got some news between Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather. This is going to be a good one. Let's begin here. So a few important things to learn about John Jones from this last week. The victory helped, right? None of this stuff happens if you don't have a victory. John Jones has been largely dismissed in this sport. How come? How would that be? When people come up with the greatest ever list, I personally cannot remember the last time that I was in one of those or even observed one of those when they gave a time. Anytime somebody gets, hey, who's the greatest fighter of all time? I've never heard anybody give an answer. I just haven't. I've never heard anybody say it's this. I, I, 
who's the greatest fighter of all time? And then that person will say, and it put out three names, right? For whatever reason, they'll never just say Anderson Silva. They'll never just say the correct answer, George St. Pierre. They give a few names. But ever since they've been doing that, everyone that I've ever heard, John Jones gets included. But he gets a little bit dismissed in the sport. Why is that? Have you ever thought about that? How come there's not headlines about John Jones, except in the forums, except in the threads? How come when he's not fighting, if he's not in handcuffs, he's not in headlines? What other top guy have you seen healthy and in his prime that sat for three years and the fans didn't come and beg him to come back? We've seen guys sit, but we've never seen them not be asked by the fans. We've never seen a mandate. We've never seen the online petition, if you will. How come? Why is John, why is John held at? I, the answer is because he doesn't involve himself in the sport. He's very much absent of this sport. First off, because he's so good. And this very thing happened to Roy Jones Jr. He got so good. Boxing didn't welcome Roy in. He was so good, it excluded him. It put him into a different category. And Roy had to work really hard to make sure that he stayed part of that community. Roy was coming in. He was announcing fights. I mean, Roy was doing a lot of stuff. He started Roy Jr. Uh, promotion, which was nothing more than it, but he was, he was showing he was involved. Bringing the amateurs, getting them licensed, bringing them over to the pros, getting them deals, working them up the undercard, showing up at events. It was a really big deal that Roy did that, and it saved his career. It was a really smart thing that Roy did. But let me just give you an example. John doesn't do a lot of that. I don't think the reason you don't see John in the media is because the media doesn't have a topic or they don't want to cover him. It's, it's, it's a give and take, right? Very simple politics. If you're really, if you, if you've got enough, if you've got a story big enough, the media will come out and cover it for them, not for you. They'll, if the story's good enough, but the rest of the time, the media has got to work every single day. They got to work 365 days a year. You as a fighter have to work three. But the media has to go every day. So on those days, particularly when there's down days, which are very often, you're going to call some of those big name fighters once, one time, and you're going to ask them to give you an interview. And whatever their answer is of talk to my people or let's reschedule or geez, I can't do it or flat out, no, we're not getting back to it all. You're not calling them back. Not unless the answer is yes. And when those down day comes, you're not going to be writing about them. Then there has been enough media who's contacted John Jones and asked for a return favor. Right? You work three days a year. I got to work 365. We're in the same industry. Of my 365, I don't make a fraction of what you do. Could you help me out with an interview? You don't look at it like that, though, right? You're the fighter. You're busy. You're out at the club. Who's this guy? Who's this on the number? I don't want to take the two minutes to copy. It's one of those things. No problem. But just so you understand, and most of them don't, and John is in the category of does it. It's going to go both ways. You're not getting the shine unless you got a really good story, like going out and tapping out a guy named Surreal in the very first round, right? If you got a really good story, we'll go ahead and cover it. And I only share that with you. I feel as though he removed himself. You want to know where that happened? It happened with Ronda. And by the way, by the way, I want to get ahead of something. 
I am not being my typical jerk of a self and giving John a hard time. This is about to take a spin. This is a pro John Jones piece. But stay with me on this one thing. John has removed himself. One, because he was so good to put him in a different category. But two, he doesn't seem to support the sport. You, you, you're you not watching a pay-per-view and all of a sudden, right, out walks a guy, dude's music hits the speakers and he gets in, he's taking his t-shirt off and one of his cornermen is John Jones with these white gloves on and putting Vaseline on him. Like, that's never happened. You don't remember a time that there's an interview, there's a fight coming up and there's John Jones. You don't remember a time that there's a massive fight and they pan to the audience and there's John Jones. And you want to know who else did this was Ronda. And the sport was really nice to Rhonda. Boy, she was good for clicks, and they'd write the stories. Whether they could get her, they had to go pilfer and steal it. They would write the stories. But the second she exited stage left, quit coming to a re- She would go on Ellis DeGeneres to build up her own fights. That's great. That, that's really good stuff. But when it's done, she wouldn't do it for anybody else. She wouldn't go in there just to build the brand. She wouldn't go in there to build the next pay-per-view. She wouldn't go in there to build the division. She wouldn't go in there to build... Women's MMA, she didn't go on there at all to help anybody ever as soon as it wasn't helping herself. But I'll just share with you, this gets observed and nobody's going to speak about it. Nobody's going to say it clearly like I just did. One, they don't have a courage, but two, they just don't have the rhetorical skills. They're just not going to say it, but they will, believe me, not write about it. They will ignore it. They will move on as though that period of time did it happen? So it's very important what John has done this last week. John Jones, he did one of his most memorable and most important things today. Do you want to know what that was? John Jones was asked who was going to win between Pierre and Adesanya. John Jones answered the question and he gave an analysis. But what he does within that is he now endears himself and ingrains himself into the fabric of the sport. The very sport that... One of the greatest fighters ever... Yeah, three years healthy, nobody begging him to come back. All sorts of opponents, nobody begging him to come back. That's just never happened before. It didn't happen because they didn't know if he'd hear it. They didn't know if he followed it. They didn't know if he appreciated it. They didn't know if he was coming. They didn't know if it mattered to him. I, mean, I can tell you that straight up as a guy that covers John Jones. I didn't know if it mattered to him. I didn't know if he was following it. I really didn't. I don't see him at events. I don't see him weighing in. I don't see him patting other guys. I don't see him tell, oh, I got a great fight tonight. Right? Conor McGregor's king of this. All the time. Red Panda Night is still real. Con- Conor is still king. But if there's a pay-per-view, he's putting it over. He will be on Twitter. Even if he's stealing some shine for himself, he will let the world know that it's happening. He will give back to the sport. You hear a story, and I, I realize that it's being disputed, that, that, that Connor got three guys bumped to get three guys in. That's good stuff. That's not bad. That's good stuff. That's giving back. You always give back. You always get your own guys. You always look out. You always help the team. Unless... You're at an arm's distance and you're not involved in the sport, even if you're just really good at it. And by the way, in case you're curious, you want to know what John Jones said about Pierre and Adesanya? Now, you got to remember, too, John Jones and Adesanya do not get along. I mean, to the point that Adesanya moved up to 205 pounds looking for John Jones. That that ended up not working. You know, he came back down to 85. But they don't get along. So 
take that into account, if you will. John took Piera, but he gave an analysis. So I can't say it was just sour grapes. He gave an analysis, which was very good because John said, sometimes a guy's just got your number. He said, I could be wrong. I'm pulling for Pierre. I think Pierre is going to do it. We'll see in April. That's good stuff. He told people when it was going to happen. He talked about the history of them. He showed that he understood it. He showed that he's part of the sport. He showed that he follows the sport. Which when you keep your distance or you don't return those phone calls or you don't do those interviews or you don't type to put anybody else over other than yourself, it's a two-way street. It's a real two-way street. And you will work three days a year. And if your story's good, it'll get covered. But they're going to work 365. And believe it, they're going to leave you out of it. The line came out for Stipe versus John Jones. Have you guys seen this? I'm going to take a beat here. I'm going to take a breath here. Just so you can get in your own head what you think that would be. Because I will tell you what I thought it would be. I thought it would be two to one, but that's by Chael's terms, right? Uh, buck, buck 80. That's probably what I thought it would be, but we'll, we'll, we'll call that two. And I thought that could move. We're going to have to see some training video. I think when it comes out, Stipe with his shirt off, I think 252 pounds Stipe Miocic, I think it changes the line. This is my prediction. Three to one. John Jones. My prediction is crap. It is three to one DraftKings right now. Now, we get that we're as good as our last fight. That has always been a rule in this sport. So for John Jones to come in and have the most dominant heavyweight title fight of all time, maybe, Stipe had the exact opposite, right? John Jones got to finish, Stipe got finished. So, it is in line, but it's it's very different opponents, and I argue with it. I think they've got an interesting fight. And that, that's with me fully admitting how incredible John Jones looked. And, and understand you're as good as your last fight. I just, Stipe's a different deal. I really believe that. And Daniel Cormier weighed in. Been in the ring with both of them. I mean, MMA math is a very effective thing, no matter how much we like to say it doesn't work. Daniel says hey, this, is, this is a different thing. And, and I will tell you guys, now I'm stretching here. John Jones is the favorite in the fight. I, I get that. I, I told you I thought it'd be two to one. I'm just sharing with you. Three to one is a little bit extreme. And I want to tell you why, because this is what somebody said to me. They said, Chael, there's a stat out there on fighters who have taken a break and return over 40. And only one of them, his name is Randy Couture, has won. Now, I haven't doubled down, and I didn't check and research the stat. I'm repeating what somebody said to me. Off the top of my head, that sounds right. It is really hard to take breaks in this sport. Stipe's been out for a minute. It's really hard to take breaks and come back. You want to know why I give him a full pass? Because I know what he was doing on that break. Generally, not only do we not know what a guy's doing on a break, we got a pretty damn good idea. He wasn't doing anything. Just doesn't have the motivation. Just don't. As much as you want it, as driven as you are, as focused as you are, if you don't have that deadline, you don't have that extra reason to peak, you don't have that guy finish that sprint, catch the guy in front of you, get that aerodyne, you just don't have it. But Stipe did. He had a very specific goal. It wasn't to fight somebody. He had a very specific goal.
He changed his physiology. I'm going to see the exact same thing that John Jones just did, guys. John Jones have the best performance he's ever had? Okay, but he, he did the same. Stipe just did the same thing. Rested his mind. Built his body. Studied the competition. Picked his shot. Come back just at the right time against just the guy. I mean, they're doing the same thing. I'm just bringing it to your attention. One thing that happens, it's the bad news. The bad news to being dominant. And you can go back and you can find this. I'll use the bullet as an example. But do you guys remember two fights ago when the bullet had this really close fight? It goes all five rounds and it kind of came down to the wire. She really showed us that heart and grit. But do you want to know one of the reasons that fight was so hard for her? Because the previous ones weren't. Do you want to know the number one reason that Ronda Rousey had a hard time with Holly Holm? It wasn't kickboxing. It wasn't the flight to Australia. It wasn't the crowd. It wasn't the media. It wasn't the pressure. It was the previous four opponents. When you get on a roll, you start to think things are going to be easy. There's nothing you could do. Happens in everything in life. You start getting good in business. You start getting a hot hand. You will start doing other things just that oh, I can't miss. And then you will, and you'll realize, right? You realize, hey, got to slow down. Got to be smart. I can't do anything. I can't just do everything. And I, I just share with you. There is a concern for me when John Jones, in this case, it's it's any athlete, not 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 giving John a hard time over here. When any athlete gets a really good result that they shouldn't have got, right? If you're if you're gonna finish a guy who's younger, who's bigger and who's more active than you, and you're going to finish him in the first round without so much as a scrape. You are going to have to have massive amounts of strategy, of training, and focus on that one guy. None of that happened. John thought he was fighting Francis. Then John thought he was fighting Steve Bam. I mean, you want to give John Jones credit. Make sure you understand. He thought he was fighting Francis. He was willing to fight Stipe and then ends up fighting Surreal Gone. I mean, I, I only share that with you because look at that dominant win. It wasn't as though John knew what he was getting into. It wasn't as though John had studied, been sitting around three years preparing for Surreal Gone. It wasn't like that at all. If John would have gone out there and had his tactical match against Francis Ngano, we could say, well, yeah, but John's known for three years and he's been studying him. He's doing nothing but planning for him. He saw his opening. He went for that takedown. That's the one he's susceptible for. We could, you know, all of those things would be true. He wasn't any more prepared for Surreal Gone than he was the man on the moon. You got to give him credit for that. Massive credit for that. But if you go out and you get a finish over a guy, you should have had a whole bunch of strategy, whole bunch of session, whole bunch of tapes. And we know that that didn't happen. We know that didn't happen because that was the third choice of opponent. Okay, great. But if that happens, if you're going to go out there and you're going to get a jump on a guy, you're going to run over him that fast. You're never going to take so much as a scratch. You're going to bring the ringside fellow fighters speechless. Three announcers saying nothing, right? You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to be dedicated. You're going to have to be in that gym. You're going to have to outwork everybody. 
You're not going to have time for private life and social life and social media life and this tour and I'm going to fly out to Arizona for a week here and I'm going to go to my garage for a week and I'm going to catch a workout out in Albuquerque for a month. It's not going to work that way. It's really important that you understand this. Because I have seen God, many, many. And so have you, you just don't know it. I'm bringing it to your attention now. You'll see many guys who will go out there and they will get a result that is much exemplified, better than it should have been. And then all of the habits that they had, all of the stuff when they were in the locker room before they walked out, and you know what you do in the locker room before you walk out? You guys think it's all about being confident because that's what the announcers tell us. Fire sure is confident. You want to know what it's like in the locker room? You make yourself deals that you'll never do again. For my next fight, I am going to run five miles three days a week. Promise, Chael. Swear to God. Swear to God to Right now, Chael. Make me the promise. For my next fight, I'm going to go on the alkaline diet. And I'm going to start this 30 days in advance. Instead of two weeks of it, you start making yourself deal. You don't get in in that moment and, and be glad for all the things you did. Grateful for your coaches. Grateful for those two a days. Grateful for that sacrifice. Grateful for that hard work. You don't. You start to think about more that you wish you would have done. So I'm just sharing with you, when you're in John's spot, you're bouncing around, man. God, I'm out here I'm out here with Henry. I think he was going to put Henry in his corner, but I, I don't remember if he did it. Did you guys see Suhudo in the corner? I know he's there. I can't remember if he was in the actual corner. But, you know, he, he's going on getting good, good work with Henry. And then he, Greg Jackson provided a spot. And I realize that's kind of a, a a normal, but it was still a different location. John does a lot of work in his garage. He changed weight class, right? He went from Francis to Stipe to Surreal. Uh, Francis summer of last year, Stipe December of last year, Surreal Saturday of last week. I mean, I'm just sharing for it. There was so many moving parts that if you're John Jones, you got to be looking and going, hey, next time, next time. I gotta get this a little clearer. I gotta, I gotta just a little bit clearer marching orders. You're thinking these things. Then you go out and you have that performance. You know what happens when you return to the locker room? You forgot you thought those things. And all you do is look at how perfect it was. And, and I will tell you, Clayton and I were guilty of it too. Everybody's guilty of it, but I'll just admit I, we were guilty of it too. If Clayton and I lost a match, okay, that is when we would go back and we would make changes. But if we won... We did not. And that was a mistake. You can win matches, but not have the performance. You can win matches and make mistakes. But you don't go back and you don't study those fights. You don't go back and second guess that. You begin your ass kick, land one punch, knock the guy out. It is a situation where you will not go in the back and question how you prepared or why you were losing the previous rounds. It just doesn't work that way. It's re- really tough to do. And I bring that to you because... That's why Holly Holm was able to beat Rhonda, because the previous four girls didn't give Rhonda any work. They didn't give her any sweat. Start preparing for a girl and you get rid of her in a minute. Well, go do that again. And she did and got rid of that girl in a minute. Well, pretty soon it seems like, well, I must be doing the right thing to get rid of girls in a minute. And she went out and got rid of the third and rid of the fourth one. I'm just sharing for you. She did nothing wrong. It's normal human psychology, but it's a concern. If you're Stipe and you're coming off loss, you're used to something really hard. You're used to big strikers. You're used to, I got to have an urgency to take this guy down. He's in good shape and he's not scared to fight. You're used to that. Regardless of the outcome, that's what you're used to versus 
I'm going to go out there. I'm going to fall on top of this guy like I do everybody else, and I'm going to put him away. It's it's tough. It's not enough to swing the pendulum, guys. I'm going to start this piece telling I thought John would be a, a two-to-one favorite. Three-to-one, that's strong. Three-to-one. How's he going to beat Stipe? You might have an answer to the question, but what is the answer to the question? He's going to go take Stipe down like it's nothing, and then he's going to keep him there? What Daniel Cormier could not do in 15 rounds, John's going to just go out and throw Stipe down? I, I, do you really believe that? It's one of those things. John's going to pick him apart on the feet. He picks everybody else apart. Maybe. Maybe that's what you think. He's going to pick him apart while avoiding the takedowns of Stipe, who was a Division I wrestler. I mean, I, I, think, I think you got some questions there. You might come to a conclusion. I just don't think you come to a conclusion that's three to one. Guys, it's starting to warm up, and for me, that's a natural motivator to stay up on my workout routine. I know we all started the new year with the best of intentions and desire to get fit and healthy, but sticking to a routine can be hard. That's why the FitBot app is changing the game. The FitBot app creates a workout program that is personalized to your goals fitness level and available equipment at home or in the gym. It learns from your previous workouts and adapts as you improve. One of my favorite things about the app is the daily reminder. I have mine set for 9 a.m. right after the kids are dropped off at school. A reminder pops up on my phone with the muscle groups and routine that is scheduled for the day. The app switches up my exercises to avoid overtraining or more importantly for me, burnout guys while keeping the workouts fresh and interesting. The FitBot app does all the planning and the thinking. All you have to do is follow along. Whether you work out in a weight room or in your living room, FitBot has you covered. Start making progress towards your fitness goals today with 25% off a FitBot subscription. A full year of FitBot is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. Keep your fitness habits with a personalized workout program from FitBod. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app free at fitbod.me slash chael. That's fitbod, F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash chael. March means nonstop college hoops action and it all starts with the conference tournaments. Who will win their bid into the biggest tourney of the year and who will be left waiting? Join the excitement and make your bets with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $5 on a pregame money line and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at cashing in big with DraftKings stepped up parlays. Boost your college basketball winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Guys, I got to tell you, now I'm a little alumni of the University of Oregon, but I'm going to be watching the Ducks. I'm also keeping my eye on Daniel Cormier's alma mater of Oklahoma State. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers, use the promo code CHAIL. Bet $5 on any college hoops pregame money line and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code CHAIL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey, you want me to ask you a really 
hard question. Do you like what we do the interactive? Um, Cause I gotta tell you, I do like the comment section. It's how I spend my evenings. I'm laying in bed and I'm going, I'm reading through what you guys are saying. I'm giving you a thumbs up. I'm responding to you sometimes. We get a little argument going. You wanted me to ask you a really hard question? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? What should Surreal God do next? You would have to be a professional to have the answer to that question. That is a wildly hard question. L let's take what Khabib says he should do next, shall we? Khabib is one of the most respected people and respected minds and now a trainer, a second generation trainer behind his old man. Believes that Surreal at 30 years old is young and that he should move to Dagestan for two years, not come and train, move. This becomes your home. You need to live here. You need to be in our culture. I need you twice a day. I need you at the morning workout. I need you in the afternoon workout. And you are going to have to learn. I'm going to have to teach you wrestling, the fundamentals from the beginning. And I believe I can do that in two years, but you're moving here. And he made, it could be made a big deal about the move. Like he just said, don't bring your coaches. Your coaches, this is now, everybody comes here. You must learn wrestling. And Khabib's argument was that Surreal's so good at everything else and that only 30 years old at 32 is not that he can go have a, another 10 years. This was Khabib's opinion. I'm just sharing it with you. That, that simply isn't going to happen. Is that what has to happen? If Surreal does not learn wrestling to a high level, Can he continue on in the sport? If he was to go and focus on wrestling to a high level, are you confident that he can keep his kickboxing still sharp, of which was an element of the fight that he also lost on Saturday? That's one of the things that keeps on being left out. Oh, he had a wrestling deficit. Well, not really. That's that's really not what you saw. That takedown doesn't count. That, that was clumsy. John didn't even mean for that to be a takedown. The takedown doesn't count. He fell down. Okay, fine. But you fall down a lot, right? Now, if you want to be good at grappling in MMA, you only got to be good in one of two positions. And this, this gets lost all the time, too. I'll see guys go into the practice room and start to train, start to really get focused, and there's, it's half the time. But half the time, because they'll spend half of it on the takedown, and then they'll spend half of it on getting up off the bottom. When they should put 100% of it into one. Put it into one of those two. You become really difficult to take down. A wrestler won't try time and time again. It's too tiring. If he can't get you down and have energy once he does it, he's not going to try to get you down. If you get up off the bottom, there's no better way to break a wrestler mentally. You want to break it? You want to crack him? You want to make, think I'm going to have to change game plans? Have him take you down and scramble right up off the mat. Which involves two things, by the way. You know, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into the X's and O's. It, it, it bores you. I'm just sharing with you that that's what Surreal would need to do. Now, that's just from a physicality standpoint, but people keep acting as though there was a big wrestling problem. The wrestling was clumsy. Take the takedown out. Bigger problem was that he couldn't move on the bottom. He, he looked like a turd in a punch bowl when he was on the bottom. That's a bigger problem. And the part that everyone wants to be leaving out, including Coach Khabib, in all fairness, you're acting as though Surreal was handling him on the feet. Surreal was running away, and he was taking twos right down the middle from a wrestler. But it's a hard question because Surreal, right? I just stated all the bad things about Surreal. I, I, 
kicked a guy. But that's because I would build him up. Listen, Surreal's handsome. He's young. Look at his body, man. He looks fantastic. He's charismatic. He's somewhat humorous. You guys saw, you know, he did, did the piece where he's pretending to be the boy from Stockton. He's got, he checks a lot of boxes. Dana apparently likes him. He's main evented him one, two, three, four times that I can think of. Just his last four fights. I can't remember what he did his fifth and sixth fight ago. Maybe those were main events. All right, Dana likes him. You check a lot of boxes. But if you have a main event guy, there is no scenario. Come hooker short notice, by example. Colby Covington has had to motivate for the, for the last two years of his career as a number one contender that can't get in there because Usman was in there. He has had to motivate himself that the only way I'm going to get in is on short notice, and he shows up at the gym ready and practicing with that as his motivator. Surreal can't even do that. If it was short notice, they still would not put Surreal gone in with John Jones. There is no scenario where anybody would think that they could sell a dollar worth of tickets putting those together. So now you're in a tough question. All right, I told you guys this was a hard one. It is a hard one, though. It's a damn hard one. Because he can't change weight classes. It's not a situation where he can just go up as a heavyweight. And he's too big to go down. That would be our, our normal solution, wouldn't it? You want to get a fresh coat of paint on a guy, just put him in a new weight class. I've never seen a better way. Never seen it. But he can't do that here. He's too young to retire. He's too damn good to retire. He has a glaring hole that though it wasn't exposed in his first 15 fights, no one tried to. That was a part they never told about Surreal. I did. I did. I'm, I, I am the best analyst in this game, but, but I did bring that to you solely, only me. Surreal was 15-0. and 0. But he had a stat, right, and a very fantastic and fascinating stat that he'd spent zero time on the bottom. Zero seconds. Meaning he, that's how they worded it, but that meant he'd never been there. He'd never been taken down. That's what it meant. They spent zero time on the bottom. It was their way of telling you he's never been taken down. I'm the one that brought to you the audience that told you nobody has ever tried. I ran through the Rosen Strukes fight. I ran through the Junior Dos Santos fight. I ran through the big guy. I told you all about this and told you no one had ever tried. No one ever. The first time someone tried it, even Derek didn't try. The first person that tried succeeded, and that was Francis. John Jones didn't try, regardless of what you remember. John did not try to take him down. Th that was on accident. Once they got there, John did try to keep him there, and now's where you start to see technique. Now's where you see the guy crawling around. He just, he just doesn't know what he's doing. So if you can't get him back to a title shot, if you got a young guy, you got a handsome guy, you got a likable guy, you got a main event on your hands. But now you're going to have to base everything on one of two things. Well, one of one. I mean, there's several ways that John will eliminate himself, right? Fail drug test and arrest or retire. There are several ways that he'll eliminate himself, but the way that you need him to do it is to retire or to get beat. So which one are you betting on? Are, are you going to ride him out? You know, I think he's a 42, 44, 45, 46. I really do. I really do. He's fighting for money. As long as they're paying him, he's going to fight. I, I believe that. So I think it's going to be real hard to run out that clock. 
do you think he can get beat? If you can get John Jones beat, if you can get a belt on somebody else, you can bring Surreal back. That's where that good-looking main eventer who Dana believes in, that's where that stuff can come in real handy. But that's what you're betting on. You're betting on the fact that John is no longer champion or you're committing for the rest of your career to be a guy that fights but never fights for a championship. It's a hard spot. I told you this was a tough one. I didn't tell you this was easy. I told you this was tough. If you had to give advice to a former champion, a multiple-time title challenger, a main eventer that Dana likes, who's good-looking, who's charismatic, and who's skilled, but you can't get him a main event title shot. What with him do you do? Oat milk. You guys ever try oat milk? Ariel Hawani orders oat milk. And this is like five years ago. I mean, this was like a douchey move. And I don't use that word. You guys have never heard me. This is like five years ago when he gets something with oat milk. And I, I don't fully know what an oat is. I mean, oats don't grow on trees, but they grow out of the ground. Like, first off, where do you get an there, There's all sorts of kind of oats, and then how do you drain it? And there's a juice from it, and it comes out in the milk, and Starbucks has I don't know, man. The whole thing's weird. Oat milk. Hold on a second, though. I have a point here. I have a point here because I have... Ooh. Strong. Strong. Hold on. Hold on. It's not sweet. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Maybe Arrow was on to something. Have you done uh, coconut milk? Have you done almond milk? Give you a great example. Go back to coconut milk. Remember when you eat a bowl of Frosted Flakes and you get to the bottom and you tip it up and you, you drink the milk? How good that is, but that light, that just light sugary, that's exactly what coconut milk tastes like. So it's a great way to get away with something. It's a little bit healthier. You can put it in your cereal. It, it just sweetens it. But it's that it's exactly like a Frosted Flakes kind of sweet. Okay, I got oat milk. Now, you got to understand, I was just reading about Francis Ngannou. Now, according to Chael Sonnen, and Chael Sonnen could not have been clear. I have heard him say this at least 10 times. Francis is over. According to Chael Sonnen. And Chael could not have been clear. I heard him say this at least 10 times. Nobody cares about Francis Ngannou. And it was never a personal statement. According to Chael Sonnen, when he says nobody cares about Francis, people really cared about the UFC champion, the sitting heavyweight champion of the UFC. Now, to an extent, guys, I am most definitely right about that. And let me, let me just give you a reverse example, okay? Think about how much more relevant John Jones is today than he was on Friday of last week when he weighed in. Or the Friday before that, or the five Fridays before that, just by example, right? I mean, it, it's a totally different thing once you have the belt. And if I get you to accept that and I get you to concede and admit, yeah, Chael, you're right. I, John, I look at John differently now. You'll understand what it, what it takes away from Francis. But for some reason, I can't quit talking about him. I can't quit thinking about him. Why is that? Those don't go together. Old Chael cannot bring you 10 videos on Francis. 
I'm getting my oatmeal coffee and I'm reading about Francis. I can't do that and tell you nobody cares about Francis unless I'm calling myself nobody. So what does this all mean? Look, at anything you go into in life, you want to get experts. And it's a hard thing to do because you want that to be you. And then when you start having a level of success, now you just you, now you can't teach a guy. And I, I have seen guys in this sport, man, they wake up on third and they think they hit a triple. It's one of those things. They, they stumbled ass backwards into some kind of a contract or an agreement, something happens they think the whole they got the whole thing figured out i must know more than this guy cuz i'm making more money than he is i must be better at this business than this guy i'm a co-main event and he's on the undercard and you kind of look at it from a distance and you go i i get your math <laughs> i kind i kind of understand how you came to that conclusion but i bring this up francis has no managers and that, for, for me, that's concerning to think that you've got this whole thing figured out, but you look back and go, hey, look, I, I made a million dollars. I fought in a main event. I won the world championship. I know more than you do. It's like, ah. I understand your math. I, I really do. But we got to back up because I don't know what the plan is here. So Francis and Stipe both. And, and, and I, I, I must give them both. Well done. Because they handled John Jones versus Surreal the same way, and it was the right way. And the right way was the truth. The truth will set you free. And I get your, your ability to want to entertain and to want to dig in and to want to stake your own and a fear that if I compliment somebody else, I am reducing myself. Man, I understand the whole thing. When John went out and did what John did, you have to say, that was awesome. It's important. It's important that you do that. You don't want to look petty. You don't want to look surprised. A guy can do such a good job that you can dismiss it in the sport. The more you praise John Jones, the more you're dismissing him. Let me give you an example. We don't know, guys, who the better boxer is between Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas, do we? Not, not only do we not know, we've never even considered it. We have never one time since that upset happened of roughly 1989. We have never one time even considered who's a better boxer. We only looked at who won. You will remember the night that Rose became a world champion over Ioana. We booked an immediate rematch. And the night that fight went off three months later, Joanna was the favorite. Rose beat her so quickly and so decisive. We blew it off. She caught her. She got lucky. We believed it. The, the line in Vegas proves that we really believe that. I'll use Rose again by example. The night she beat Wei Lee. We immediately rebooked it. We put them back in there 90 days later. And by the way, when the bell rang, Wei Li was the favorite. Rose beat her so easily. She beat her so handily, we dismissed it. And there is a way to do that to John. Very much so. Oh, yeah, you're dry. 
Oh, you get a guy in a guillotine dry, sure. Yeah, full-mounted guillotine up against the fence. Yeah, of course you couldn't stop that. Oh, you get a guy that uh, didn't have a wrestling background. He, you know, he fell. He fell down. He, sure, you grab a guillotine, there, but there's a way to do it, right? And I'm only sharing for you because Francis and Stipe both got asked about John, and they Francis was awesome, man. Francis lit up. Did you guys see his answer? I'm trusting that you know what I'm talking about. Did you see what he said? We talking about his face lit up. You know, Francis is a very charismatic guy. You know when when he smiles and he's happy, it's like this really handsome, like this, like this young boy look to him. He did that when he was talking about John. Said I wasn't surprised with the outcome, but here's where it gets important. He says I was surprised with the time. I was surprised how fast it was. It was important that he added that. It was important that he told this story straight. Because if he swerves us there and he lies about that, we're not going to believe the next thing that he says. If he tells us, oh, I wasn't impressed. Oh, that was an easy fight. Oh, that's how I thought it would go the whole time. And I could beat him up. We're not, we're not going to buy it. You, you can't lie to us so blatantly on this end and then think that we're going to believe this side of the comma. It doesn't work that way. And Stipe did the same thing. Stipe was very, when Ron and Ariel's show, is very complimentary. Said, yeah, man, came out, did it quick, got that takedown. And Ariel tried to hand Stipe. He, he, tried, he tried to hand him one. And Ariel goes, was it, is it that Surreal, you know, wasn't a, a top guy in the division? Was that the wrong opponent? Stipe said, no, man, not to me. So I, I think Surreal be a hard fight. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. I'm changing a little bit, but. It was important that Stipe said that. It was important that he praise Surreal. It's important that he praise John. The same as Francis. You, you got to tell it the way it happened. I mean, bo both of those guys make for a very interesting argument. Look, I don't know where Francis is going to go from here. Francis weighed in on this. He said, I sure would like to fight John Jones, but John's under contract with the UFC, and it looks like that's not going to happen. Now, I juxtapose that interview, and I caught a, a statement that Dana made. Somebody's interviewing Dana, and Dana said, look, I negotiated with that guy for a year, but I'm not going to negotiate with him for another second. He, he will not be back. He won't be back, and I can tell because I'm not going to talk. It's not a matter of if he agrees or we come to terms that that conversation will never happen. And again, I'm, I'm adding and I'm changing some more, but, you know, real close here, and I believed it. I believed it when Francis said, nope, this is behind us. I believed it when Dana said, we're done talking. And so as we, as we start to, we're, we're, but we're deducing things, guys, right? It's, it's very important that we're adding. It's very important that we're putting stuff on. We're stacking things up in life. We're looking at options. And we're keeping a door open. We're building, we're, we're networking. We're building, we got our Rolodex going. It's important at, at life. It's a dangerous damn game. When you start eliminating things, you get it up somewhere. When there's one option left, you take that option. But that's very different. That's very different than having a plethora and choosing one. When you play this game of deduction, so when I watch Francis going about this alone, when I watch him going about it without a manager, I just don't know what the end game is. He may have this whole thing figured out. But I look at that team. Francis has a coach. Let me just give you guys an example. Francis has a coach, Eric Nixick. Now, in, in the world of unsung heroes of MMA, Eric Nixick is at the top of the list 
There's a really good chance that some of you haven't heard that name. There's a really good chance that those of you that have heard of Coach Dixon couldn't put a face with him, just by example. However, this is the coach of world champions. This is a coach of multiple athletes on the card every single night. This is the head coach of Extreme Couture, one of the most famous MMA gyms to ever exist. And I only, I only bring him up because it's a lot of time you got to put in. It's a lot of sacrifice. You don't get much for it, right? I mean, our coaches don't. Whether the athlete gets to be selfish and the coach has to be the opposite, which is selfless. And you just give of yourself and you give yourself. And I, I could only imagine the time. I could only imagine the weekends. I could only imagine the early mornings. I could only imagine the late nights. But, but there is another side, which is you're, you're participating too. Not just competitively, not just that burning desire to win. There's a financial element. You are participating too. There's always a fine line. When somebody negotiates and gets their way and you say, you're a good businessman. But if somebody negotiates and they don't get there, they don't come to a deal, they're now unemployed. Right? The same action that leads you to being a good businessman, the same action can lead you to be unemployed. And it's too early. Keep telling you nobody cares about Francis, but I can't quit talking about him. So I don't quite mean it, do I? There's something there. But a week ago, I did have hope that Francis would get a deal done. I did have hope that there was a possibility that Francis would come in and take on the winner of Jones and Surreal, and I brought that to you publicly. Stipe has been named as the next opponent, and it looks as though, I get that things change, it looks as though that option and that door is now closed, and that's just a risky game, because where were we at, guys? We were at John Jones, right? We were at Tyson Fury in a sport we're going to go make up, and now we got Deontay Wilder slipping in here, acting like he's got some balls. But we're deducing. A three neat pieces of business. You got three things there that are monetizable. I understand that. But can you also understand my point that last week we had three and today we have two. Do you see the problem with that? I, I sincerely hope that you do. Alright guys, I want to spend a little time on the UFC 285 co-main event between The Bullet and Alexa Grosso. There's been a lot of talk this week about whether Valentina deserves an immediate title rematch, and I feel like we need to weigh in on that situation. Alright guys, I, I might jump around a little bit here. I, I had a hard time with this. My source is Ariel, right? You guys know I watch Ariel every day. I usually bring you guys something from Ariel's show. But every now and then I got to rewind him. Not very often. I usually can follow and I know exactly what he's talking about. I just, but I'm disclosing to you. Eh, you know, let me get close. Let me get close. Don't totally fact check me because I will get you 100% at least within my point. But Ariel's told a story that went something like this. Alexa Grasso beats Valentina Shevchenko. That was Saturday. Already it has been announced that the Bullet will get the immediate rematch with Grasso. Ariel didn't agree with that. Now, Ariel had a very strong point when he said that that matchmaking lacks creativity. 
Now he's winning me over. I'm listening. But his larger contention was the reason that you should not do that is if the bullet succeeds, it kind of takes that whole moment away from Grasso. If, as we fast forward the tape, unless we're real astute, we're not going to realize that there was a bump in the road of the reign of Valentina. A quick glance is going to look like she won the belt over here, and then whenever she gives the belt up, but it's going to look like she had it the whole time. you got to be real astute to know that this happened, but it's important that you know this happened because that is the career and the memories of Alexis Grosso. Now, I thought that was overthinking by Ariel, but I don't know that he's totally wrong. I suppose things happen like that. And I suppose that because uh, the Venezuela vixen just had that happen. We kind of live in the same area. I'm in, I'm in Portland here in Oregon, rather. She's up here in Washington. So kind of know the same people. It's kind of the same circle. And there are some people that forgot that there was a hiccup in the road. And I, and I bring you the vixen more because I want to bring you Amanda. Now, there is no, and I just want to create a conversation here with you guys. That's my, that's my goal. First off, I just don't know that they already announced there's a rematch. That was one of the problems when I told you, I think maybe I'm hearing Ariel wrong. It was pretty clear from what I heard Ariel say that they're doing a rematch. I just don't think they would have announced it that fast. I don't think they went out of their way to announce any matches from that card, let alone something with a champion, let alone something with a co-main event. That, that, that part really didn't make sense. We don't know, we don't know what the, the other folks are doing, but we're going to talk about the also-ran. Would have surprised me, and therefore, I suggest for you that within the words that I heard Ariel say, perhaps there were words prior to that, and he said, it looks like we're going this direction, and then he tackled it from that standpoint. But I will bring up for you that there's no massive fight for Shevchenko. But she thinks there is. She has been, to give the fans what they want, she's been calling for that for two years now. Give the fans what they want, which is her versus Amanda. That's just not a, it's just, it's not. It's not whatever she thinks it is. They've already fought twice. It wasn't then, it wasn't the second time, it's not. But she thinks it is. That's relevant what she thinks. Because if she would like a shot at Amanda, she needs to leave her current weight class. And she needs to go into the weight class that Amanda's in. And there was no real ability to leave without the approval of Dana White when you're the champion. When you're not the champion, you can send him a text message and just let him know, I am now going into this weight. And he will write you back, okay. So this was the opportunity. Go up, make your argument, get right into a title bid. There's not much of a stronger argument out there for you. There's not anybody in the world who's trying to fight Amanda. And if it doesn't work out that way, you might, you might have to do it. And I'm just making a suggestion for you. I'm not looking to give anybody a hard time. I'm just making a suggestion for you that if you are sincere with your words, that you think that that's the fight, and you think that the world wants to see... See, and you always know an athlete. You always know an athlete who's the narcissist. Because the narcissist will just follow their own career. The narcissist will come out and tell you within interviews what everyone wants to see, but the everyone is only their Twitter DMs. 
You'll know that. They won't know what the headlines are. They won't know what the main events are. They won't know the big fights that they were just booked. They won't know who's sleeping with who and who's getting ready to... They won't know any of these things. They'll only know their world, and they'll disclose it for you at some point. In Valentina's case, it was to say the fight the world wants to see. I live in this world. I have never heard those words from anybody but her. Now, I trust that her refresh button on her iPhone probably talks about it a lot. But if you're sincere and it's what you want to do, I would think that the opportunity would be now. The world doesn't want to see Valentina fight Amanda, but I don't have a better idea for Amanda, right? Like, I don't, I don't love that idea, but I don't have a better idea. If I'm comparing, do I want to see Valentina and Amanda go in part three, where Valentina moves and is officially in this weight class, right? It's got to be a burning of the boats moment. It can't be a Volkanovski. You can't keep it at 45 and slide up. You've got to burn your boats. I'm no longer here. It's this or bust. Or do they want to see Valentina versus Grasso part two? I, you know, they didn't want to see part one. Why would they want to see part two? I mean, it's, it's one of these... It's one of these interesting spots that, that if you ask me from that perspective, yeah, I'll lean towards Amanda and the bullet, but there's no other time that I would. There's no other time I wanted to see that fight. I had to see it. I was for, and then they forced me to see it again. And now it's a, it's a third to like, I, I don't know how to make it any clear. I don't want to see that fight, but I do, if you're comparing it to a Grosso rematch, for the first time ever, you would have won me over to what she believes the world wants to see. And the opportunities now, right? This is where you always find out. This is where you always find, it'll always come up who's talking, who's not. There will always be that opportunity for the person to get what they said they want. Always, it will always come up on accident, on short notice, quietly over here. Dude's in town and found out you were talking and you could slide over here and meet. There's always in your life going to be an opportunity for those ideas. And seldomly you get to see who actually wants them. When they actually are here, who wants to go and do it? Who really believes that they can win? Right? The 45-pounder who stays champion at 45 does not think he can win at 55. If he thought he could win, he would have left that belt. He'd have closed that light out. He'd have X that contract. He wanted to have open that he's going to drop back down. Not giving him a hard time. I'm sure this is human nature. Definitely not giving Volkanovski a hard time. It was very courageous what he did. I admired the holy hell out of it. You can't become a double champion if you let one go. I mean, there's, all, there's problems with what I'm saying, too. I'm just sharing for you. You now know, it doesn't matter if he's going to win. People surprise themselves all the time. You now know that he doesn't think he's going to win. People win all the time, don't think they were going to win, Right? But now we know as the audience, it's important that we think that they win. Look, if, if, if she really thinks, and I'm talking about Shevchenko, that the fight's Amanda, the time is now. If Ariel thinks that the company announced a rematch for a co-main event, I, he should probably check his source. talking about this week's main event i want to get away from mma real quick and move into the boxing world because we got a little beef going down between two of the biggest names in boxing right now 
Jake Paul came out, he did a video, and he says, look, I got surrounded by Floyd Mayweather after my Miami Heat game, and I ran. And he said, you're damn right I ran. I'm not stupid. I'm a tough guy. I don't, I don't need to prove that anymore. This is not going to go well, man. There's, there was a group of them. Someone, someone threw out the name number 50. The media has settled in on around 20. If I'm to guess, it was a car fall. I don't think John, I don't think Floyd showed up on a bus. So I'm going to guess you, you're probably more around six, seven, eight guys. But you get a lot of guys. Just go, 50 guys, right? So Jake says, like, what is he talking about? I mean, first off, Jake strikes me as kind of a cool guy. I don't know why he'd be at a Miami Heat game. Like, that's for nerds. For one, First off, only a nerd would go to a Miami Heat <clears throat> basketball game. And they show him on TV. <sighs> People don't want to watch that crap on TV. Imagine having to be there in person. But, all right. <clears throat> so I watched the video. And, I mean, there's all sorts of problems with this, right? First off, it is Floyd and it is people with him. When you start to count them on camera, you come up to about four. But when you hear there was six, there was eight, there was 20, there was 50, it makes it sound like maybe there was more and we didn't see him. All right. All the rest of the story was true. I guess we should believe that. But you come out and this is a crime. I mean, this is disgusting and this is cowardly what they did. But it's a crime. And now you have one of Floyd's people filmed the crime. So, so that's your real story here. Your, your real story. I mean, you got to be a special kind of stupid, right? So he films a crime. I mean, they come up and they intimidate Jake. And the one guy says, hey, y'all, should we rough him up? Now, that right there becomes illegal. But the guy's not kidding, and then he answers his own question and says, yeah, let's rough him up. He asks the question, and then he answers it himself. And that's where Jake, man, I got to get out. And he goes. He runs. So, okay, you have a crime that's cowardly on top of that. And when you're, when you're a fighter, you do not surround guys. You damn sure don't surround a kid. And when you have a kid, this is a 26-year-old boy. When you, when you have a 26-year-old boy who's done five of these things in your sport. So, so you know that he worships and cherishes your sport. You know that he must worship and cherish you. And you as an icon and an obvious idol of a young guy, you come up and, you, and, and, and you're going to jump him? I mean, th this is bad, right? This is bad for a lot of reasons. None of them worse than the fact that the guy documented, no, time out, that's not the worst part. The worst part is not the stupid, stupid guy documented it. It's the fact that it was his video that after the fact, when he had full ability to watch and rewatch, he decided to put out to the world. There 100% had better be an arrest in this. It is a crime and it comes down to intent. I don't think the guy was kidding. I let him slide when he said, should we rough him up? My problem is when he answered his own question and the and he steps towards Jake. That that that's when this thing becomes a problem. And then you got Floyd as part of it. Floyd's the one writing the check and he tells the guy they they have a chance to watch it. 
They think the story is that Jake ran away from them. Like we're going to tease Jake. Jake's how somehow the, the fool here. That was, that was of course, was exactly what you should do. Not to mention he's pretty fast. I mean, it was a, it was, it was, it was a pretty good 100-yard dash there. Floyd's got some dum-dums on his team. Okay. Floyd, it turns out, is a thug. It turns out that Floyd didn't think he could get the jump on Jake Paul. He wanted to go confront him. He wanted to have a little something going with him, right? Maybe build a match. Maybe it was promotion, right? Flo- Flo- Allegedly, Floyd is now out of the business. Allegedly. Because he, he fought Chambers over the weekend, and they bombed. They did a 20,000-seat venue in England, which is a massive fight, and 2,500 people showed up. Allegedly... Those promoters got beaten so badly and spread the word. Allegedly, the Floyd thing is over. So possibly Floyd came in and was trying to build something. But if you thought you could handle a guy, you don't bring the boys. You don't need the boys. One of them starts spouting off, let's, plural, jump him. You would correct that real fast. Hey, whoa, whoa. Right? Because you're working. You're working. You don't let anybody jump him. Just film this. I'm going to get an interaction going with him. But apparently that's not what happened. Apparently Floyd was not confident that he could take him. Apparently Floyd and his team of dum-dums. Right? This is a guy who's done time. This is a guy that has, has charges and did time for this very thing. Of course, I understand that folks in wherever Miami heat, well, Miami. Of course, I understand they're going to do nothing, but they should, truly. Truly. I'm not a prude about this stuff. That was as cowardly as it gets. And then at some point, you got to come down on a guy. You got to. You got to make him lawyer up. You got to come to town. You got to you, you make him threats whether you go through. You got to inconvenience him for a period of time just for being that stupid. Official prediction, Peter Yawn versus Dishi Lavili. Oh, it's hard. Oh, you know I don't bury the lead, guys. All right, Dishi Lavili. I'm taking Marab. But Marab, and there is a but with Marab. Because Marab is very good. Marab is very skilled. Marab is very disciplined. Marab is very gritty. None of those things are the spotlight. Nowhere in Peter Yon's camp has he thought about any of those things. Nowhere in his camp is he thinking, I got to stop his double. I got to stop him from pushing me into the fence. I got to scramble up off the bottom. The thing that you look at when you're dealing with him is he goes so damn hard. That, that is the thing. If you were taking him off, you're Jose Aldo in his last fight. If you're studying Marab... And what you got to be ready for and what you got to deal with. It is a guy who is in shape and he is going to be coming at you hard. Harder than anyone you've ever faced is going to come at you. Harder than anyone you've ever had in the practice room. Marab is going to bring a pace and an output like nobody else has. Now, Marab does like to push you in the fence. Marab does like to take you down. Marab basically just fought Peter Yon. He did, in Deferma Jose Aldo. Well, before you tell me that Peter Yan is better standing up, it doesn't matter. Marab didn't stand up with Jose Aldo. So it doesn't matter if, if, if Yan's better at standing up. 
Marab thought Jose's was more than he could deal with. So if Jan is better, then Jan's going to have the same opinion, which only means he's going to do the same thing, which is push him into the fence, try to get below his waist, try to pick him up and try to bring him back to the campus. And you want to know who's hard to take down? Jose Aldo. You want to know who else is hard to take down? Peter Jan. It's, I'm telling guys, it's the same fight. It's the same fight. And where these two athletes got dealt from the bottom of the deck, and some of these Apex cars do, man. The Apex has been putting that. They got some main events going down over there. They had Stipe versus Daniel Cormier went down at the Apex in front of nobody. I mean, the main events that are having to walk in, like, this is becoming the place to fight. People get assigned to Madison Square Garden, and, oh, my gosh, they're they're so happy. There's, there's places in Dallas, there's certain venues, right, the Forum in LA, there's places that you can get assigned, the Roseland in Portland. There's places you can get assigned where it's cool, but the apex is becoming that. I fought at the MGM Grand one time. I'm trying to think of who I fought there. Fought at the MGM Grand, but when we were going in, there's a hallway. There's a hallway of other people who have fought at the MGM Grand. I mean, I'm pitting that, there's Muhammad Ali's on the wall multiple Mike Tyson fight pictures are on the wall. You know, it's becoming like a place. And I'm only suggesting for you because the Apex is getting really hard. This is a really hard fight. Where I say they got belt from the bottom of the deck, these guys should not have to fight for five rounds. This is a totally different fight fighting for five rounds. I have never seen Peter Yawn fade. Never. In fact, I see him do better as the fight goes on. I'll remind you, he lost the first two rounds of the Sterling fight. He won the last two rounds of the Sterling fight. Peter Yawn is a pace guy. I don't think he's got Marab's pace. He doesn't have Marab's pace. Let me reword that. He doesn't have his pace. But if he doesn't have his pace, can he hold up against his pace? Because that is the more important of the two questions. I've never seen Yawn fade. But I've never seen him anybody goes as hard as Disha Lavili. And Marab, as good as he is, and I believe he is ranked, I know, I, or I believe that he was believed to be a number one contender. All of a sudden, Sugar Sean slid in. So I know how that ranking goes. I know that ranking goes because it goes to Sean. I'm just sharing for you. For a number one guy, for a number one contender, for a guy who would be fighting for championships, who they teed up to fight for a championship, but he doesn't like that specific matchup because it's his friend. He's gone five rounds a surprisingly few amount of times. Off the top of my head, I never saw him go five rounds, but I believe he was booked. I believe he was booked for five and just got out of there early. I'd have to go check that stat. And it's like anybody, if you go really hard, you're going to get really tired if the match is really long. So as much as I'm bragging to you guys about Marab and his pace and his grittiness and what a pain in the ass he is because he's coming at you like a Tasmanian Dable, as much as I'm complaining to you about that, I'm not positive he can hold it for five rounds. I can't think of anybody that I've seen him hold it for five rounds. And I don't think Marab's taken on anybody in as good a shape as Peter Yawn. So you have a very interesting fight. I am betting that Marab can hold up. I am taking Marab in the fight. I believe that his endurance and that conditioning will, in fact, hold up for championship rounds. I'm just admitting to you guys that I don't know it. I'm very confident in telling you guys Marab is going to win the first two rounds. But if you're confident that Peter Yawn's going to win the last two rounds, now we're just arguing over number three. 
And we got a pretty interesting conversation, don't we? This fight just happened. It just happened. Marab versus Jose, it's the exact same thing, according to Marab. I got a striker that's got more than I want to offer. So now it doesn't matter who's better. As soon as we're getting out of that realm, we're getting out of that realm. Which means I got to take him down. To take him down, I like to push him into the fence. Once I push him in the fence, I like to go below the waist. So I'm going to go and do these things and hope that he's not prepared to stop it. That, that's what this fight is on Saturday. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening and for continuing to leave reviews of the show over at Apple Podcasts, like the one from Zerk who says, great podcast, need more reviews. Well, we'll see about that, Zerk, and I do appreciate you for leaving that review. Guys, I'm going to be back on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy yourselves. I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.